Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to Off the Shelf here on Breadbox Media. I'm your host, Pete Sox, a Catholic book blogger. Today we have with us Meg Hunter-Kilmer, who is a Catholic speaker, author, retreat leader, and itinerant missionary whose work appears regularly on Leticia and her blog, Held by His Pierced Hands. Meg is the author of Saints Around the World. She has written for Magnificat, Our Sunday Visitor, The Catechetical Review, and Take Up and Read. She has appeared on a variety of Catholic media, including Catholic TV, Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel, Relevant Radio, and Ave Maria Radio. Meg earned bachelor's and master's degree at the University of Notre Dame. She previously served as a teacher, youth minister, and campus minister. And today we'll be discussing her book, Pray for Us, 75 Saints Who Sinned, Suffered, and Struggled on Their Way to Holiness. Welcome to the show, Meg. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So I guess to kind of start out, I'm going to ask maybe a somewhat obvious question. There's a lot of books out there on the saints. What makes your particular book unique? You know, I think a lot of the books that I have read on the saints tend to focus sort of on the, the neat and shiny parts of their lives. Um, I, I find that a lot of the saint stories that we tell, they're just, they can be saccharine uh, and they can be sort of sanitized. And I really need I need the nitty gritty. I need the difficulties. I need the suffering. I need the struggle because it gives me such hope in my struggle. And I think for many years, I really ignored the stories of the saints because so frequently they just seemed irrelevant to me. They seemed to be about placid, meek, gentle people who didn't have any particular struggles and levitated a lot. And I thought, well, (laughs) you know, I'm not really any of those things. And then I discovered that when you get to know the saints in their fullness, they're speaking to the particulars of our lives. They're speaking to our family dysfunction. They're speaking to our mental illness and our addiction. Even even simple things like scientific prowess or an adventurous spirit or liking video games, right? These little things that sometimes make us feel like, well, I, I couldn't be a saint, right? Because I'm a chemist or I couldn't be a saint because I play basketball. And so I was really hoping in this book to show the fullness of the lives of the saints, both in their 
real ordinariness and also in the suffering and the struggle that so often is whitewashed out of the stories. Mm-hmm. So was it a gradual thing for you or was it something that just one day clicked and you're like, hey, these saints have some significance or was it just a, a more of a drawn out thing that kind of built along during your faith journey? It really started with reading a book by Anne Ball called Modern Saints. And for many years, I kind of felt as though, you know, the saints are mostly irrelevant and not particularly helpful. And it's not blasphemy to ask a saint to pray for you. And that's about as far as I was ready to go. And then I ran across this book at a friend's house and I just saw the stories told in a way that was captivating. And I've always been a storyteller but I never really had useful stories to tell. (laughs) And all of a sudden I encountered these stories and I was like, oh my goodness, this could really make a difference. I didn't know any of the states. You know, I mean, I knew probably 50 that I could have told you three sentences about, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know the people really. I didn't know the stories in a way that was going to be captivating to anybody. So I had a lot of research that I had to do. um, And it was probably a couple of years before I really felt like, oh my goodness, this could be, this could be something really important for drawing hearts to Jesus. Not just these could be cool stories, but this could really be what invites people into the love of God when they felt that they're ineligible their whole lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, and you kind of alluded to it in your response to the first question, but I think we tend to forget that when it comes to the saints, you know, they were human like you and I. They made mistakes. They were sinners, as your subtitle uh, of the book alludes to. And that puts us into the same category as them. But a lot of times we box ourselves into this corner thinking I can never be like them. Um, So how do we avoid that and apply their examples to our own lives in a fruitful manner without getting hung up in this, oh, they're the saints attitude? You know, I think that's the beauty of the way that I try to tell the stories of these saints in my books and, you know, on Instagram and when I'm giving talks and leading retreats. I always want to tell a story that makes you feel like, oh my goodness, me too. You know, talking about the saints that everybody knows and saying, okay, but but consider this, right? Consider St. Therese, that at the end of her life, she overheard the other nuns in her convent saying, what are we going to put in her obituary? She didn't do anything. <laughs> Living a life that ordinary and that noticed and then becoming the greatest saint of modern times and most people, you know, the way we talk about St. Therese, it's she was so beautiful and lovely her whole life. And if you actually read the story of a soul, well, no, she had some big feelings and she felt some of those feelings out loud. And so to get past this, this plaster statue that we've set up in front of ourselves and to say, no, like St. Andre Vassette wasn't just a sweet guy who answered the door. He was pretty cranky and crotchety. And what does holiness look like? when you're a crotchety 85 year old man and people keep bothering you, you know, because God works in, in that nitty gritty and that reality as well. Mm -hmm. So you have a great bit in the intro where you talk about how different all the saints are, which as you say, uh, leaves us quote, free to pursue holiness in our own way. End quote. Can you speak to that a bit? You know, I, I'm a lot, I am loud and I am intense and I'm emotional and I, I take up a lot of space in any room that I'm in. And when I was young, the stories that I encountered about saints, they just, they were all quiet, the female saints particularly. And I felt just strangled by this image of snow white holiness, right? By this 
sweet staring off into the distance that just didn't feel possible for me. And then I ran into Teresa of Avila. And I was like, well, now hang on. <laughs> There's at least one female saint who was a lot. And it just gave me permission to stop fighting against the person that God made me to be. And to say, you know what? Maybe it's not an accident that I have big feelings and that I'm intense and passionate and that I'm loud and and all of these things that had felt like they were counter indications of holiness for me. I said, you know, well, that's how God made Teresa of Avila. So maybe that's how he made me too. And then, you know, I began talking to people about this and I encountered so many people who felt the opposite. They would say, well, saints are all loud and intense and emotional. And I'm just, you know, I'm phlegmatic and I'm fairly sanguine. And so I don't feel like holiness is possible. And I realized that this was just the devil speaking into our lives saying, whoever you are, that is not who God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Whoever you are, that's a mistake. And you have to fight against your nature. This idea that God made a mistake when he created us. And when you get to know the saints in their fullness, when you see this incredible spectrum of holiness, there's just this deep breath that you can take and saying, okay, you know, there are parts of me that the Lord needs to purify for sure. But I am not an accident. I am not mistaken. I don't have to force myself into this imaginary box that holiness needs to fit into, because that's never what the church has asked of us. Mm-hmm. So in the book itself, you've divided it into 12 categories, and you've grouped those 75 saints among those 12. Um, and as we go along here, I like to highlight some of those saints that you've chosen, because um, there's saints and blessed. There's, there's a lot in here that we're not familiar with me, and I'm sure won't be with most readers. But first, how do you envision people using this book? You know, I think there's a lot of different approaches that you can take. I wrote the table of contents very deliberately with very clickbaity titles in there. So when you open the table of contents, you see an opium addict who never got clean or a hermit who spent every night with a different prostitute or the sister who pulled a dozen people out of a burning bus and nearly won a Nobel Prize. And I think when you see those, you think, okay, hang on. There's There are some stories here that I might need to read. And my thinking there was, if you've got an eighth grader, a 10th grader who's getting confirmed and they're not interested in picking a saint, you hand them this book and you say, look, just read the table of contents, <laughs> right? And if you want to flip to something from there, awesome, go for it. And so uh, you can you can look at the table of contents. There are indices in the back. So you can look for saints from different countries or you can look up saints with mental illness or saints dealing with infertility or saints who are athletes or scientists. Uh, or you can just sit down at the beginning and read it cover to cover. It, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on where you are and what you're looking for. Right, right. So like alluding to some of those titles, this we'll, we'll pick a few out here uh, in our time together today. So the first one, I'm going to butcher this name, but St. Martha Wang Lo Mond, a quiet homemaker with the courage of a warrior. And that that was an interesting one because, again, I think we get into this trap of, you know, that, that same story you told about St. Therese, you know, she didn't do anything. What are we going to put in her obituary? So how can we, uh, what can we pull from St. Martha's uh, story and apply it to our own lives, ordinary lives? Yeah. St. Martha Wang Lomanda was a 19th century Chinese woman. And she is really beautiful because she's just this ordinary, unnoticeable kind of a woman. She was an adoptive mom, had two really difficult sons. She was a good cook. She made straw shoes. She owned an inn. Um, She's just sort of the kind of Martha who is working in the kitchen who nobody really pays too much attention to, but she met Jesus Mm 
And she had this beautiful conversion and she decided she was going to move to a different town where there were more Christians so that she could have a stronger community. And, you know, here's this, this quiet, small, meek woman. And someone said, well, you know, you're going on this long journey. Um, who are you taking with you to protect you? And she says, oh, well, I've got a spear. As long as there's only two or three bandits, I can run them through like soybean paste. And you're like, oh my goodness, there's more to this woman than I realized. And she ends up moving to this larger city and she worked at a preschool for a while. She cooked in the seminary. She's just doing the very menial tasks, the kind of thing that nobody expects you to get a halo for. And then after the seminarians were arrested, she's smuggling messages in and out of the seminary and they were being taken off to be killed. And the guards saw St. Martha Wang Lomanda washing clothes. And as they walked past, they were like, hey, you want to come die too? Just really messing with her. And here's this woman whose heart is just so fixed on Jesus, who has become a saint in such an ordinary way that she just looks up and says, oh, yes, if they can die, so can I, and leaves her washing behind it. I'm sure the guards were like, "Uh, okay, that wasn't actually our plan. And she ends up, and I love this, Pete, she was killed on the Feast of St. Martha whom she was named for. Mm-hmm. And so now shares a feast day with this great biblical saint who she'd modeled her life on. And the two are together in glory celebrating on July 27th every, or July 29th every year. I just think it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, the, the, the saints you pick here and their backstories are so relatable. I mean, in the second se- section of the book, uh, Saints Who Never Gave Up, you include Venerable Matt Talbot, we know alcoholism is is a problem, and Matt Talbot was an alcoholic. Um, tell us a bit about his story. Well, and he's beautiful, too, because a lot of times I think we read the stories of saints who really struggled with sin or with addiction or with you know a disordered life situation, and then they met Jesus, and they were healed, and everything was better. And that sometimes happens, right? Sometimes God works miraculous healing on our lives, and a lot of times he doesn't. And when we read these stories of saints where they were so terrible and then they had this conversion and they never sinned again, it can often be very discouraging. And Matt Talbot is really beautiful because he was an Irishman living in the 19th century. He was a drunk from the time he was 13, drunk out of his mind every day of his life. And when he was 28, he quit drinking, um, largely from pride, actually. He didn't have money to buy a drink and nobody would buy him one. And he was like, fine, and I'm not drinking anymore. And God was like, I will, I will work with that. That's fine. Um, but he takes this vow not to drink again. And for the next 40 years, the rest of his life, he never touched a drop of alcohol again, but he never stopped struggling with that temptation. He never stopped being an alcoholic until the day of his death. He didn't carry money on him because it was a temptation to go into a pub and have a pint. 40 years later. And he said, it's easier for God to raise the dead than for him to cure a man of the desire to drink. And I think it's just such a beautiful witness that grace doesn't make virtue easy. It just makes it possible. And it's okay if you're still struggling. It's okay if you are living with addiction. And even though, you know, maybe you've been clean for 10 years, there are still temptations, right? That's not a sign that God isn't with you or that he hasn't healed you or that he's not faithful, that's an invitation for you to continue running after holiness in the midst of that struggle. Like, what a witness that is to the people around you, just like with Matt Talbot. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the saints uh, and ordinary people of our times, it's hard to not mention, and it was pretty neat to see you including him in the book, is Blessed Carlos. 
what can you tell us about, as you call him, quote, a teenage boy with a PlayStation and a website? You know, Blessed Carlo Acutis is so beautiful in the way that he resonates with young people today, with millennials, with Gen Z, even with Gen X. I just, I see people's eyes light up when I say, hey, I know a saint who liked Pokemon. And it's it's just amazing to me. You know, he lived this beautiful life. He was born in 1991, died in 2006. So he's younger than I am. Um, I could have babysat for him, so no pressure on me, right? <laughs> Uh, and he did amazing things. He he helped people convert to Catholicism who had never known Jesus before. He changed his mother's life. He built this beautiful website. I mean, he's drawn thousands of people to Jesus. But what really resonates with people is that he had a PlayStation and that he made funny videos about his dogs. And I think that's part of what's so important to me in in putting the color into these stories is that if you tell the story of Carlo Cutis without those little things, people are like, oh, cool, a young holy person. But when you talk about how he took karate class and he liked to ride his bike, people really gravitate toward him, towards just those ordinary things that resonate with our lives. And I think it's beautiful that we've entered this era in the church where we've got saints who we have like cell phone videos of nobody who's canonized yet, mm-hmm. I guess, except for our JP two. Um, but you know, we have these servants of God and these venerables, these millennials who are on their way through the ranks of canonization who, you know, we can see their Instagram accounts, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's wild. And I think the invitation there is the Lord saying to us, not only holiness is possible for you, but holiness is possible in these things that seem so secular, right? In your social media usage, in your playing of video games, in the sports teams that you're on, like that is a way that God is calling you to be a saint. That's not a, a footnote to holiness. That's actually the path to holiness, if that's where God has led you. Mm-hmm. So a little sidebar here um, as we go through some of these saints. How did you pick who is in the book? I mean, I always find that intriguing, how people do their research for their books. And, you know, it seems that you couldn't just Google saints with funny with different stories um (laughs) uncommon stories we'll use it that way Uh, so what research went in behind this for you to pick these saints and and how'd you end up settling on 75 was there a hundred or was it just a struggle to get to 75 oh no i had many many that i had to cut um i think i had 88 when i first turned in my manuscript so they kept chipping away at it but 75 is a good round number so i'm okay with it um you know it's a lot of it was just these are my friends and they have to go in my book right? Like I wasn't gonna write a book without Blessed Peter Kibe, obviously, like he's my best friend and he needs to be in the book. Or Blessed Catherine Jerige, who I'm like, everybody needs to know about this woman and they don't yet. So a lot of it was just people I love. Uh, some of it was stories that I'd already written that had resonated with people. Um, St. Hugh um, of Clooney is a story that people really, really, or up Grenoble, sorry, is a story that people really gravitated towards. And so even though he and I aren't particularly friends, I was like, I know that people need me to tell this story. Um, And then I went through, I wanted to make sure that we were pretty equal in representation of men and women, of white saints and saints who are black, indigenous, and people of color. I wanted to make sure we had saints who were married and saints who were divorced and saints who had dealt with infertility, Um, just representation sort of across the board in all of these different identities that are so significant to people. I wanted everybody to be able to read this book and say, oh my gosh, like that saint is just like me. Mm-hmm. And so some of these saints were uh, saints that I only discovered. I mean, 
venerable Antonio, or servant of God, Antonio Cuipa, I only discovered the day the manuscript was due because I was like, gosh, I don't have anybody indigenous in here. Who should I write about? And I started doing some research and I was like, this guy's amazing. Like, I love him so much. And so it's been really beautiful the way that God has brought some of these saints into my life because I've seen a need that, that the church needs to hear about somebody who, and so I go hunting for this saint and God is like, I know that you thought that that was for the church, but actually it's because you need this person to be your friend. (laughs) Oh yeah, cool. Thanks for doing that. One of the names you threw out there wasn't on my list, but you seemed excited to mention him. So I'll let you uh, have the floor here and speak about Blessed Peter. It was the first one you talked about. Yes. Blessed Peter Kasuikibe. So he is my best friend, um, him and St. Barnabas. And he was a 17th century Japanese uh, Jesuit priest. So he was born into a Christian family tried to enter the Jesuits when he was finished with school and they wouldn't let him. And he tried for years to be received into the order. And finally uh, they were kicked out of the country. So he goes with them to China and in China in um, a, a Portuguese in Portuguese Macau, he was told, no, actually we don't ordain Japanese people. Hmm. So he went to Goa to a seminary that was founded for the purpose of forming native clergy by St. Francis Xavier. And they had, strayed really far from their foundation and they said no we actually don't ordain Asians at all and it would be so easy in that moment for him to look at this horrific racism from representatives of the church and be like I don't want anything to do with this church but he knew Jesus and he was like this is not this is not true and this is not good and this is not beautiful and this is not who Jesus is and this is not what the church is and so he decided he would go to Rome and that he would walk there and he walked 3,700 miles Mm -hmm which is great because I'm really inclined to pity parties. And every time I'm having a pity party, Blessed Peter Kibe is like, honey, I walked 3,700 miles. I need you to get over yourself. And I'm like, but the church is up a flight of steps. And he's like, 3,700 miles, just walk up the stairs. <laughs> uh, eventually he makes his way to Rome. He gets ordained, travels back to Japan. It took him eight years to get from Europe to Japan. It took him 24 years from when he first asked to be ordained until he finally made it back to Japan, a Jesuit priest, all the while he was knowing he was on his way to torture and certain death. And he never gave up. He ended up living as an undercover priest for nine years before he was betrayed and arrested and tortured and killed. And I think he's just such a beautiful witness of of perseverance um, and also just of what a real relationship with Jesus can inspire one to. Because that story is toxic and terrifying if it's for an ideology. But he... He wasn't fighting for an ideology. He was he was pursuing a love of him. Mm. He was a man in love. He was a man who had been called, and he was going to follow, even if it meant he had to go halfway across the world and back. So, in your in your daily faith journey, um, you've built this book. Has the seventy five examples of the saints, and and I must say, you know, I, I read the book. And, and I understand the stories, but not as well as you do that when I can throw out a saint name, which I'm randomly throwing out to you and you're retelling the story like it's like it's second nature to you. How, how are you incorporating these saints into your life that, that you become so close to them that you can do what you're doing here today during this interview? So I have always had a mind for stories. I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, if I people will want to talk politics or something and I'm like, look. I did the research. I chose a position. I remember my position. I don't remember anything that led to it. I just know that I was convinced when I made the decision. (laughs) Whereas stories have always really stuck in my head. Um, And I think that that's 
in many ways a charism uh, because I have seen over and again people who are in deep need of a friend to walk with them through whatever struggle they're dealing with. Uh, and and the Lord has given me this grace to remember these stories and to make these connections. Uh, and so I, a lot of the saints who I can talk about are saints who I don't have any particular relationship with. Like, you know, we're acquaintances. Like we get along. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, tension there. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, they're people who I know that other people are going to need a relationship with. And so it's a lot of, a lot of connecting of other people to, to introduce them to these new heavenly friends, which is beautiful because there are times when I just feel like I just need to tell you about this saint. Like, I don't know why there's no connection that I can think of. I just feel like I need to tell you this story and people's jaws will drop and they'll say, Oh my gosh, well, I never told you X, Y, and Z, but this is why I need to be friends with that saint. And sometimes they're just like, that's amazing. And I love him. And I don't know why, like there is no connection. I just love him. And just recognizing that the saints are real people, you know, who live in heaven and who really love us and who want to have relationships with us and being able to, to make the connection, to recognize that there is, there's a saint who has loved you since before you were born. And I might get to be the one who helps you return that affection is, is just such a gift. It's such mm -hmm. a delight. Meg, where can people find your book, Pray For Us, 75 Saints Who Sinned, Suffered, and Struggled on Their Way to Holiness? Uh, your best bet is to go to saintsaroundtheworld.com, um, and that'll tell you about my other book, which is a book of saint stories for kids, 100 saints from 70 different countries. But if you go to the buy page, you can scroll down there, and you'll find all of the options for buying. Or you can Google Meg Hunter Kilmer Pray For Us. That just seems a little bit presumptive to me, or presumptuous. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, that's all we have time for today, Meg. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and spending it with us. Any closing thoughts? You know, I just, I want people to hear these stories and to know God loves you fiercely, tenderly, exactly as you are. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, you are not alone. God sees you in that suffering. He loves you wildly and he's given us these things so that we can know his love and so we can find you. Box Media, I'm your host, Pete Sox, and Catholic Blogger. Until next time, God bless.